I looked at past written travelers and I looked at past CADs and then it really struck a nerve. On the CAD drawings, it actually had the customer's name on there, the quantity, and what we were actually selling it for. And I go, that's it. Someone in here is the rat. Something's happening. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zanger, and this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. And I'm here in the studio with my good friend and co-host, Jim Carr. Yeah. Wearing How you a, doing? Wearing a suit, just like usual. Jim yeah, Carr. My, my brand new, my na- brand new uh, sport coat that I'm loving You're always today. so dressed up. I mean, yeah, you, you don't I like to, it. You don't you have know to what? get so dressed up for me. Well, you, you know it's why just I, you and I, man. You know why I like wearing a sport coat? Because I'm always i either hot or cold. So either I could take my coat off when I get hot or I could put it on when I get cold. I so that's the whole, you know, everyone always thinks, oh, Jim, you're always dressed up and everything. But I like it. Because I have that flexibility when you know when you get when you get old you kind of get hot and cold like there, that. Okay, and I'm kind of skinny too, I didn't say so it. you know those skinny guys are you know I didn't they say get it. hot and cold real quick. But anyway, yeah, it's great to be here in the DMDII studio. Yeah, the Digital Manufacturing and Design Innovation Institute. That's that's, that's a, mouthful. a mouthful. Yeah, but on Goose Island in Chicago. Nonetheless, right down the street from where I live. It is right down the street, and it's a beautiful facility. And uh, share with the the listeners what we did. A week ago, Monday here. Oh yeah, at the that, DMDII. Was, that, that was kind of fun. I, it was I was a little out of my comfort zone, but um, we we had a photo shoot. We needed to take new pictures for for a new website. So uh, hopefully that will be coming out soon. Some soon. of our our good friends, part of the Metalworking Nation, are actually helping us with this website. So past guests. So yeah, yeah it'll be. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think they took over a thousand pictures last. I, know, it was I crazy. mean, it was it was a lot. There Jim was, a was lot ham- to do. hamming it up for. the I camera. I was hamming it up. He was man. like one of my little I kids was, ha- was, hamming it up for the camera. It was it was pretty funny. Actually. I was. Going with the flow, and you'll be able to see how beautiful this facility is when the when the pictures start getting posted. And lastly, congratulations every month. I can't believe I can't believe this. At the end of every month, we always say this to each other. So obviously, uh, the words getting out, and people like to hear our voices. Congratulations on over. And you might have the real number twenty thousand. Yeah, no, twenty. Let, actually, it's twenty two thousand. And you know, I, I think it's more than just our voices. I Holy mean, I think it's just moly. the great guests that we have on, just like the great guests that we have today. Seriously, we've got over twenty two thousand today. I didn't. I, right yeah. now, I did mm-hmm. not know that. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that they're. It, it's it's just amazing when I when I look at the analytics and I see that it's uh, twenty two thousand July. No kidding. Wow. Crazy. Well, congratulations, Jason. Yeah, you too. Thanks. So I got some manufacturing news. Uh, by the way, everyone knows how I get my manufacturing news. I go to my my Google News, and I've got a default, and it pulls up all the manufacturing um, subsets. But, you know, they changed their interface, and I don't know if I like it. I've heard that. I, I don't Have know. you seen it? Yeah. No. I don't know if I like it. I kind of like the old I'm not on the internet as, as often as you are. <laughs> sure. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, right. But anyway... Uh, 
the uh, the Google News has changed a little bit. I'm trying to get used to it. But nonetheless, I did find this article that I thought was relevant to you and I and the metalworking nation, and um, it's out of Cranes, Cleveland. And as you know, Jason, uh, Ohio has a huge manufacturing presence there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they've implemented these summer camp manufacturing programs. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, they've been doing it now for the last two or three years, and they've been popping up all over the state. Some of them are completely independent, and some are collaborative with the state. Um, the Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown is leading the charge. Um, he said back in 2013 they had one of these summer camp manufacturing programs, and now this summer in 2017 they've got 18 going on. That's amazing. What, yeah. do, they, what do the kids do during summer camp? Well, it goes on to say the organization in June held a co-ed camp for rising fifth and sixth graders. That age range, they say, is perfect for capturing a sense of wonder, said the Alliance for Working Together, AWT Executive Director and Camp Director Alice Cable. She went on to say exposing students to manufacturing before they reach high school is important because by then they've already started on a path. Each camp made time for field trips to local manufacturers as well as hands-on projects. So I totally get that. We need to start, you know, putting it in their face at an earlier age so they get it. Um, yeah, it says that they're making clocks and speakers. Right at that's that age, at that age level. That's I guess what that that would that would be interesting to a child of right. that age because it's like you know how do we get a clock to work and how do we get you know volume music to come out of these speakers? So they're asking those questions at that age. And yeah. so it's a good. It's time relevant. To do that. It's relevant to their day to day life. Mm-hmm. So other programs around the state um, specialize in more advanced manufacturing summer camps like welding, for instance, wow. for high school students. So the, the, they amp it up for the high school students where they offer um, welding. They go on to say the credentials can help improve job prospects for participants as well as count toward graduation requirements. Uh, eight young adults, seven rising seniors, and recent graduates took part in the camp. So just all good stuff. Yeah, I guess I, I need to get my act together because I've got my kids in like, you know, zoo camp and sports camp and, you know, language camp and, you know, stuff like that. So, well, I need to, I guess I need to get them in manufacturing camp. I don't know if Illinois is I don't know if collaborative they with any summer camps, but we won't get into what we yeah, I mean, hopefully, Illinois. hopefully, you know, somebody can bring ma- bring this type of a camp to our area. I think that would be really impactful. That would be great. I, I think we I, know some people that we could talk to. About I think that. so. We know a lot of people, yeah. right? We've got a voice. We should figure of, this out. The metalworking. Let's, nation. Start, let's start the making chips summer camp. There you go, Jason. Jason's always thinking. I know. I, but, right on the, even on the fly. Yeah, you are. That was good. We better write that one down. I got my notepad right here. But anyway, just to, to finish this up, um, they go on to say that the camp used Lorraine County Community College's welding trailer, which I thought was cool, on site at the Dan T. Moore's company in Cleveland Industrial Innovation Center. Um, of course, uh, Dan T. Moore Company was one of the sponsors. So I think that's great. I love that the fact that they're... Um, utilizing the local manufacturing companies. They're integrating it with the state and uh, probably getting a little bit of resources from the state as well. So just all good stuff. Um, We need to be more cognizant of that and, and educate those young kids about manufacturing and the great careers that there are. 
Absolutely. in this industry. So what what is going on at Car Machine and Tool right now? Oh, Jason. Did things- you take a break for the summer? Did you close down for the summer? Is that what you're doing? No, we're not shut down. But Friday, we're going to do a local barbecue. Uh, the Elk Grove Village Chamber is having a barbecue at Bussy Woods. So we're shutting down at 3 o'clock, and everyone's going over there. They got beer. They got brats. They got hamburgers, games. And there'll be a good collaboration, I think, of uh, local businesses and uh, people. So oh, great. Yeah, we, we just had um, – I was just having a discussion amongst my team team about the possibility of if we hit our KPIs that we set out, that we were going to maybe take some half Fridays or some half Mondays uh, during the summertime to like, you know, just give everybody a little bit more flexibility. They say that Friday, especially Friday afternoons, are the most unproductive yep. time. Yep. So we might as well incentivize the team mm-hmm. to hit our numbers and then say, just go home. You know what I mean? Yep. Like we'll just we'll we'll split up the staff and just go home and you know enjoy start the weekend early. You know what I mean? Give everybody a break. I think that's you know like to be able to do that. So it's something that we're trying to figure out. I think that's a great idea, and especially these great view. I mean, Friday was just beautiful here in Chicago. Like, yep. Oh, we had all the doors open, and I'm like, yep. I'm leaving early. If you guys want to go too, you can. So. Yeah, or give everybody the opportunity Monday morning to stroll in, in the afternoon, you know, or something like that. Yeah, so have a longer weekend. So, hey, Jason, what's up at Zangers? Tell me something good. Well, I actually just started. This is kind of a new thing for me, but I've been in charge of our sales management for a long time. And I just started, well, let me go backwards, actually. We had one of our quarterly meetings a couple weeks ago. And what came out of that quarterly meeting is that we need to get a little bit more structure and process driven in our sales. And I've been managing the sales. It's kind of like, it's. I've been given that job just because nobody else essentially wants it. Nobody else can do it. Um, but I'm not necessarily the, the, it's not necessarily the best thing for me to be doing. So I'm, I'm actually interviewing sales consultants. You know, we always talk about marketing consultants. That always seems to be the, you know, the popular thing. Let's talk about marketing, but nobody ever talks about, you know, sales consultancy. And so I'm actually interviewing some people in order to, to get some better, you know, vision and structure and process oriented with my, with my sales team. So, so uh, is that going to be like a, a sales manager that's going to oversee your in the long run that is that is the direction that we want to go to is to um, hire a sales manager hopefully a full-time sales manager and and he's going to lead he's going to lead the sales team in lieu of you in lieu of me, okay, exactly, because I'm just not putting the time into it. Okay, you know I don't have the time. Okay, and um, you know, so we need somebody better equipped to be able to do that, so that sure. I can focus on what I do best. I've been really good at selling myself, but I'm not necessarily the best manager. So yeah, so that's Good. what's going on. Awesome. So, always got to. That's a great idea. Always have to be, you know, moving the ball forward. So that's that's the goal. We we keep trying. That's for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So we're super excited to have in our studio today. Um, you may you may know her from uh, late September when uh, we interviewed her in McCormick Place in downtown Chicago. A little mini episode. It was a little mini yeah. episode. IMTS TV studio there in uh, McCormick Place. Uh, there was a lot of action going on right. Right at that time, and um, I, I've known Nicole now for a couple years, and uh, I've had the pleasure of speaking to her offline, and she's told me a little bit about her family businesses, and it's, I, you know, Jason, I, I talk to people so often, and I say, gosh, you know, our businesses are, are so different, yet the family dynamics are so the same, yeah. and when I talked to her uh, about, it was a God, it was probably over a year ago. I said, we have to have you on the show and share with us your family dynamics so it can resonate with with all of you, the listeners of Making Chips. So- yeah, apparently um, you two 
had a you shared stories over drinks on a boat cruise. We did. Which I wasn't there. It but was I, a, I it was a manufacturing it. association event, and um, it was it was a good night uh, in downtown Chicago. We were on the architectural tour in the Chicago River, so, so it was awful, yeah, awful fun. So, so would you go? Yeah, why don't, why don't you go I ahead will, and formally introduce? I will our introduce guest. Nicole. So Nicole is the president of HM Manufacturing Company. They make synchronous drive products, which include gears timing belt pulleys, splines, shafts, chain sprockets, sheaves, and related parts for power transmission and precision mechanical components. They are located in Wakanda, Illinois, which is a northwest suburb of Chicago, and Nicole is second generation in the business. And one thing that Nicole and I actually have in common is that she's also a chemical engineer. She got her bachelor's of science from uh, the University of Kansas, and um, Nicole has worked in all aspects of the manufacturing company starting in 2009 from purchasing agent and production manager, account executive, VP of operations. She knows AutoCAD, 3D modeling. She's got her NIMS accreditation. Um, she speaks four languages. Wow. Didn't know that. German, Italian, and Spanish, and uh, of course, English, or else right. our, nobody would understand what she's saying on this <laughs> podcast. HM Manufacturing was honored in the 2016 Annual Awards for Business Excellence in the category of manufacturing. And if you're connected with Nicole on LinkedIn, you will see pictures galore of her holding gigantic checks all the time, giving those checks out to budding manufacturing leaders. So welcome, Nicole. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Nicole. Glad to have you back. Really excited to have you here in our studios. And uh, I'm glad you could make the trek into the city yes. today uh, and see DM- first time here at DMDII. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It's amazing to see all the machinery out there and uh, it's lovely. It it's is. It's really cool to see. It's exciting. It, 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 it always gets me excited when I walk through this facility and, and know that everyone here is just excited about manufacturing and moving the ball forward. Yeah, I mean, so. and they want the same thing that we want. They, they want to see the man, manufacturing elevated. They want to see you know the innovation continues, and that's exactly what we're trying to do, except in the form of manufacturing leadership. So you it's bet. great that they can do that here. Yeah. So, Nicole, first of all, I, w- I was impressed when I was putting your bio together that uh, uh, you did have uh, credentialing in 3D AutoCAD. Yes, uh, I do. That's, yeah. in- that's interesting. And and you know CNC language, too. Yeah, I so do. So, G&M yeah, code so that's programming. that's your fifth language, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, there you Pretty go. Pretty sixth and seventh. I mean, oh, Okay, depending. okay. There's multiple <laughs> languages there, too. So why don't you tell us and our listeners a little bit about what what actually does uh, HM Manufacturing do? What are your core competencies? So HM Manufacturing uh, is an acronym for homemade. Uh, My father started the business in 1979 um, with the thought of... You know, he was a Formula One race car driver, and he was making his own gear components and uh, trying to be more competitive. And when he would go to the races, people started to ask him, well, you know, this gear looks different. What are you doing with your belt drive systems? And he started to gain traction, and he was starting to say, well, okay, well, I could sell some of this stuff. I'll patent a couple things. And uh, that kind of took off. So he stopped the racing, started HM out of his basement, uh, so that's where we get the homemade from. Wow. That's neat. So yeah. was he working as a machinist or a tool and die maker at uh, the time he, well, while he was racing? Yes. He was a assistant chief engineer at a uh, tool and stamping company out in Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, they're closed now. But uh, that's where he got his start, where he got his money, where he started to really formulate 
his manufacturing background. I love I love that. I, I love that how like you know just something that comes out of somebody's passion and they start to make things better and you know hey I could sell this that's that, that I can manufacture that that's that's amazing. Well, and really he's is. always had that bug. He started as a kid. Uh, him and his brother would make fireworks. So they always had some some kind of uh, some passion to work with their hands and and do that. That's great. So seventy nine, he he started a company in Wisconsin. Uh, no, in okay, his, uh, in Chicago. Okay, in, in his basement. Okay, started that there. Um, at that time, Uniroyal, which is now Gates Rubber Company, came to him and started asking, "Well, you know, we're trying to work out our patents. We're seeing what you're doing. Would you like to go in business with us?" So for the first year, he was doing things with Uniroyal, okay, making gears, trying out their belts, um, and then he decided to part ways. He was wanting to do. Um, more of his own thing. So uh, printing companies came to him saying, you know, we need gears, we need, we need belts, can you help us engineer, make our lines better, faster, with throughput and things of that nature. And that's, that's how we, he got away from Uniroyal, started 1979, continuing on with that passion, left uh, the basement, Went to Schaumburg, a twenty five hundred square foot facility, wow. and started to do it that way. Yeah, I yeah. guess I guess if you could make a you know Formula One race car go faster, you can make the printing you can press do go faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. That's such a an interesting story because we it was basically the same way with my dad. It was nineteen seventy three, but uh, just a few years before. But so. Was there anybody else involved? So your dad started the company. It's nineteen seventy nine. You're a young girl. No, nope, not even born yet. Not even born not yet. Even okay, okay. Thoughts. I did. Jim. I, well, I not just should have known better than that. Yeah, okay, okay. So your dad and mama started this business. Your nope, mom? Just my dad. Oh, um, was your mom? It, had nothing to do with it. No, well, uh, eventually she did just because there was not enough people. So she needed to do the accounting work. Okay. Um, but she got fired a few years later. Your yeah. dad fired your mom? Oh, without hesitation. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, and he paid for it because she was so upset that she was fired that she went to Neiman and Marcus and just charged <laughs> up a storm. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I guess it. that was her severance pay. Oh. <laughs> so your mom never w- was really in the, and is not in the business to date? No. Okay. No. okay. She, but she is our therapist. Like she keeps okay. my dad and I sane when we have our, our moments. I hear you so, there. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I bet. <laughs> So there, are there any other siblings or family members that have been or are in the business now? Have been, yes. Um, so my uncle came in and was on board. Um, From what timeline, uh, So probably 1980 to mid-90s. Okay. Okay. So, so right was, after your dad started, your- He needed help. Okay. Correct. Right. right. So he was more of the mechanical engineering side. He was trying to do sales. He was trying to get this business up and going. Uh, but his brother, Richard, was very good with the machines. He Operationally, he knew how to run lathes, how to do gear hobbers, everything of that nature, mills. Um, and so he was supposed to head the back while my father would tend to the front with sales and, and pushing the company into a broader reach. So that was working well. And then the 90s, um, my uncle decided that he no longer wanted to be a part of it. So my dad bought him out because he was 50% shareholder. He was 50% of the company. So my father um, bought him out. And with that came my cousin who decided that, okay, if if my my uncle's going out, we need somebody else because generationally the company needed to keep going. And at that time, my dad didn't think anything of me. You know, I was only 10 around that time. Mm-hmm. We needed to keep going. And and I think that 
he never really saw me there. So there was never like, let's go to the shop. Let's go learn. Let's go figure out how these machine works, um, how we even produce some of the things that we do or the type of clients that we have. But I was also 10, so I didn't really know anything. So I'd go there sometimes playing with invoices and my briar ponies and, you know, pretending to be on the phone and and things of that nature. So my cousin ended up taking somewhat of my uncle's role. Was it Uncle Richard's son? Yes, it was. Yes. And that was working well for them until about 2008. And that's when, of course, we all know about the market crashing and things started to go into a very bad spiral. With that, uh, I was just about to graduate college. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do afterwards. I always thought, okay, I could do some kind of engineering. I didn't really know if I wanted to do mechanical. I didn't know if I wanted to be in the family business. I was never pushed to do it, which I think was a great thing because I kind of came to it on my own. I I fell in love with it in my own way. Okay. And then when I was done, my dad's like, well, I, I do need you because we're suffering and I don't really have a sales force. I, I really don't have much of a team for that. And you're young and vibrant and you would really resonate with, with, with some of the other, other business leaders. He's smart. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but he's like, I don't want you yet. As much as the company is suffering, I need you to get kicked around. I don't want you coming in here thinking that you're the greatest gift to HM and that you're the daughter and you can do whatever. I need you to go find a job and get kicked around. See what it really no is kidding. to be out in the workforce, to work for somebody else. So where'd you go? Uh, I went to a securities company downtown. Uh, there was 3,000 employees and I was doing all the payroll. Oh my god! And gosh. I had a terrible boss. And Snooze. Yeah, yeah. It was bad. And I yeah. learned at that point what I never wanted to be like. And then I saw well, you my knew dad. at that time yeah. what you didn't want to do, exactly, and you didn't want to be part of a three thousand employee team. No, or, or and, getting... and had that kind of boss. Oh, right, and, and that was another thing because leadership is massive, right? They are the ones that dictate the culture, and, and they kind of, you know, beat the drum. And if if you're beating the drum a certain way, and everyone's on board, everyone will beat to the same beat. And he just was horrible. So. Um, I got fired because I'm I'm very lippy and I'm very headstrong. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so I got fired. I rolled up to HM out in Wakanda. At that time, the building was built in the 90s. Uh-huh. So now we had a 10,000 square foot facility. Uh, and I said, I need a job. So is it time for me yet? And he goes, yeah, I think it is. Like, I think you know now what it is to get fired, how to have to be at work on time, how to deal with other, other personalities. People, yep. Yeah. It's not easy. No. So I, I, that happened. So I started the next day, and I started low, which yeah, was great right, for me. Right. Um, I had to pick up the phones, had to put in uh, timesheets, had to do some purchasing, had to figure that out, uh, went to blueprint reading. Well, at least you weren't completely naive to the business because you had grown up you, you knew the lingo. You heard it in your family. Family stories for right. dinner time, right? Yeah, like all exactly, the headaches, exactly. yep. the, the issues, the good, the bad, the ugly. I know, so, so I I know some it. family businesses say that they never talk about it when they're in a per- personal time, but it always comes up Has because to. it's part of your life. It is. You know what I mean? It is. It's hard to shut that off. It is. It is hard to shut it off. So that was 2009, the latter half of 2009. So it was probably around September. At that time, the company was just, it was doing terribly. We had a a line of credit. We were just using and abusing it, just 
because we had no money. 2009-ish? 2009. Yeah. There yeah. was the latter half of 2009. Yeah, that was bad times, Nicole. Very much so. Yeah. And so the more that I started to get involved in every aspect of the business, I started to see a consistent theme. The guys out in the shop would come extremely early in the morning, around 4.30, and would leave around 4.30. 4.30 in the morning. Wow, that's early. Yeah, and and my dad was super trusting. He loved all these guys. They had been there with him since the 90s. You know, they were coming from Chicago, so they wanted to beat the traffic. And he gave them the keys to the palace, essentially. You know, he trusted them. There was no cameras and nothing of that nature. So they kind of had free reign. And so I started to see all these... All these times start to like escalate. Well, they're coming so early, but there's no product. I mean, times on the job. In. Yeah. Also, they they would like be blowing the the times away yeah. on the jobs. And, and, yeah. And right. And then I would I would question. I was like, well, you know, I may not know a lot here, but you know, we're just making a donut out of steel, just a plain bore. That's it. It's it's only an inch wide, minimum plain bore, twelve fifteen steel, and we're only making five pieces. So. Why are you see, taking 30 hours on something like that? Yeah, right, yeah I get I just, it. I, I know exactly what I mean, you mean. I, I just was I was looking at this blindly, and then I, I would go kind of to my dad and be like, well, what, what's going on here? Oh, well, you know, they scrapped some parts. Okay, interesting. So why are we scrapping? They've been here for so long, there shouldn't be any issue. And then the more intricate jobs, now they were taking even longer for and then he goes, well, maybe it's just because, you know, they're on 32 hours now. You know, we're, we're, we have to scale back. So maybe they're, they're afraid of losing their jobs entirely. And I go, and okay. That, and that could be partially, partially right because right. that was going on a lot too. Exactly. I mean, when, when my dad always used to say, tell them what their next job is so they work a little faster because if they don't know what their next job is, they're not going to be interested in completing their first one. So, yeah, I get that. I get yeah. your dad's mentality. Yep. So as the year starts to progress, and now we're in 2010, and then I start to do quoting. And I've been, you know, my dad was was teaching me how to quote effectively. I had now done the blueprint reading. I now know what, I, what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I, I would look at past quotes against timesheets, and I would, I would start to figure out the metrics there. And, and I would study that and be like, okay, well, if, if this is, has a hub, if this is this material, if I have to add an extra counterbore, or if it's a tight tolerance, I now have to hone. Like, I, I started to, to really figure out how I was supposed to quote. And I wasn't I was close, right? I wasn't always perfect. But, of course, that takes years of, of figuring out and shooting yourself in the foot. And then I kept hearing this name pop around when I started to do sales. And it was a competitor's name. And time and time again, now where they were beating us with pricing. So you're talking to your customers and you're hearing your customers say this other competitor's Correct. name. yeah. Okay. And, and I'm you're like, that's like, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's in- where do they come from? And, well, they have a better lead time. I can't seem to get anything from you guys for five to six weeks. They're doing it in two. And you're pricier. Well, how, how much more? They're like a couple cents. I was like, so you're going to give the job away for a couple cents. Well, it's, it's recession. We have to do what we have to do. Can you match it? And I'm already looking at the spreadsheets, and I'm seeing how peril and dire the situation is with HM. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I might as well. Might as well. At this point, I just got to keep getting things in the door. I just maybe have to push them a little bit more to try to get it out faster, increase the speeds and feeds. And at that time, I just, it just didn't seem right. I got a really bad feeling. A red light was starting to flash. Yeah. And then the main issue was 
another customer came back and said, yeah, you know what? No, we're just going to give it to them for the simple fact they beat you by five bucks. And I was like, how is this? Like, are you guys giving them our pricing? Like, then I started to get upset at the customers. Are you guys giving our pricing? What is really happening? No, they seem to know your numbers. And boom, right after that, the light went off. And I go, something's amiss. So I looked at past written travelers and I looked at past CADs and then it, it, it really struck a nerve. On the CAD drawings, when we bring it out to the shop, it actually had the customer's name on there, the quantity, and what we were actually selling it for. Oh, my God. And I go, that's it. Someone in here is the rat. Something's happening. Wow. I didn't see that coming when you started telling the story. Yeah. Then I go to my dad and I start to say, listen, this is what's happening. We keep hearing the same competitor's name. They're beating us by cents. Then it's dollars. Then it's by lead times. And our stuff is here. They're always a step ahead of us. Always. And we can't catch a break. And I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm very green. And and I'm questioning everything. And I think that's what made it great that I wasn't involved early on in the business is I questioned every single thing, right? Why are we doing this? Well, that's just because that's how we've done it. Well, that's not a good enough answer, right? right. It's not a good enough answer. There has to be some accountability there somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, there and there wasn't to. any. There was just too much trust. Everyone was doing things blindly just because it was told to them, you know, to do it that way. Um, so push comes to shove. I, I tell my dad. So I was like, okay, something's up. Lo and behold, we contact um, a PI, a private investigator, and I, I start inquiring about this competitor. When all of a sudden I get the names of you know who's on the business, who the treasurer is, who's the president, so on and so forth, it is every single guy in my shop, every one of them. It was my cousin, and it was all the guys out in the shop that were my competitors. And to me, I was like, what cowards? You are starting your own business. So they were in running their own business on your machines. On my machines, my materials, my packaging materials, my flanges, my set screws, using my client list. How about uh, that, Jason? I, it, it just. I'm, I'm, like, spe- I'm like just no, staring I be- speechless. I, I, know. It, that, I know. When she told me the story, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, my heart fell to my. Because you know what? I'm sure that there's many other people out there that have had the same scenario. And it, and it was a situation where your heart just sinks. Like you just, you feel immobile. You, you just don't understand how this could possibly be. You know, one is your relative. And then these other guys have been there since the 90s. And they're calling my dad uncle. And they think of him as a father. And, you know... And he was paying him under the table because at that time we couldn't even afford to keep him 40 hours. So my dad felt the need to pay them under the table for the eight extra hours so it could be a 40-hour job. And, you know, he's doing all these things and this is how they repay him. And um, So how many were involved in this? Six. Six of your employees, your yes. current employees, including your cousin? Who, yes, who, including. Yeah, including him. And it was very interesting because it was every person out in the shop. So the following day, you know, my father and I, I was like, okay, this is it. I had found that they were using um, my hobs for things that we weren't even supposed to be hobbing that day. 
Mm. So they would come in early just to run their parts. Mm-hmm. And the minute that my dad would show up at nine in the morning, then they would switch to... What they're supposed to be doing. Correct. Yeah. yeah. On a job that was current and relevant to what you right. had orders for. So no for. wonder why my times were all over of the course. map. Of and course. there was scrap and blah, blah, blah. And and if, and then you have materials that were just going. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, we're not really shipping that much. Why are my boxes... Oh, mean depleted. like the cardboard? Your cardboard boxes? They were using that as well. Oh my gosh! They were using oh everything. Gosh. Everything was of pure HM, profit for them. Everything. They were sending um, end mills inserts to themselves uh, on on my UPS on our HMs POs. Wow! And no one was really catching it because we're like, well, my dad was like, you know what? Yeah, we do need that reamer. So, we what do percentage need that of your workforce was involved in this scam? A hundred percent. One hundred for the shop. For the shop. Yeah. Wow. One hundred percent. Wow. So I, I, I can't even imagine how it all played out. Obviously, they all left. Yeah, Did you so, file a lawsuit? or? So that's when, so we came the next day, and we were supposed to call the cops. We, we already had enough evidence. That's what we were going to do. The unfortunate situation was is my dad was so hurt and, and so upset at what had happened um, that he came in at 5 in the morning, and he fired each one individually. And as he was doing that, they were grabbing all the evidence. Oh, so really? they took our SIM cards from the machines. They took the extra blanks. They, they took whatever they could find that could actually impact them right. and left. So one by one. So when I showed up at the company uh, at 7 in the morning, it was pitch black. And that was the scariest moment. I bet. Scariest because you were moment. starting all over again. Starting all over. And yeah. you don't know. And at that point now, that was 2011, beginning of 2011. And we only had about five months left of cash flow. That's it. Wow. And so you never took legal action on, on these people? We didn't have enough. You know, I think in retrospect, I think you were probably better off 100%. just not doing that. And just, you know, chalking it up to experience in life. And, you know, my God, you're going to be way more cognizant of things going forward and you're going to be your dad is certainly not going to be that free and easy and give the employees that carte blanche that uh, they normally have or so you, you just you just like kind of let it go and you know just I lesson figured, learned and- yeah lesson learned um because that's a hard lesson to learn. That's a hard lesson to learn. Well, and, and I'm green and I'm only 25 and I don't know what to do at this point. Um and my dad's 67. And it's a completely different ballgame. So, so now you have nobody out in the shop. Right. Nothing. Five months left of cash flow or you close. And we had to go through all the manuals. So we were there from five in the morning till midnight every single day for the next three months trying to call on our clients, tell them what had happened, hope that they would come back, give us another, another, another chance, trying to turn on the machines for the actual uh, orders that we actually had in-house to see if we could even run them. Um, mm. And then oh try to gosh. hire and then try to hire. It was impossible. And at that point, no one wanted to be in manufacturing no. because everything was closed. Yeah. I so know. now to try to bad, find help. It was, a bad, it was a bad industry back it then. It was bad. Nobody wanted to touch it. It was death to it them. Was. Yeah, it was death. So for three months, it was hell on wheels, literally. And we didn't sleep. And I was nervous. My dad was nervous because you look at this company that he started from infancy. Mm-hmm. And now it could all go. Uh, and it took us three months. We started to hire effectively. I said, okay, now I'm going to take over the hiring. We're going to do NDAs. Everyone has to do that. And a non-compete. Um, Change your travelers? Yeah, there was nothing anymore on it. 
now, you know, company, our customers just had codes, so they didn't even know what it was. There was, there was no sharing what each part was going to be at all. No costing on there at all. Um, and the whole vibe had to change. We had to have policies, procedures, uh, handbook. Everything had to be completely changed. And then I felt like I needed to change because I needed to now know what was going on in the shop. Mm-hmm. So I went to Harper um, and I, I did my Harper precision. Is a, Harper is a community college it here is, yes. in local, in, in Chicagoland. Correct. Yeah. And I went to Precision Machining. Good for you. And awesome. I got my NIMS. Uh, and, and that's how we started. I, I had to start I had to start being smart about the decisions and about where the company was going to grow and how it was going to happen. And I didn't want the world to be pulled over my eyes again and being taken advantage of. And they saw me as, well, here's this girl coming in, daddy's little girl. She doesn't know what's going on. Right. So d- are these are these gentlemen, are they still a competitor? Are they still in business? They, uh, they are still in business. And they're constantly looking at my LinkedIn so jeez, oh, it's 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 interesting to say the least. Oh. Well, that's that's quite a story, Nicole. That and is. I'm sure it resonates with a lot of people out there. Yeah, I mean, I I was just exchanging stories with a um, a gentleman that actually does. He's a he's a production manager at one of my best clients, and he gets hired, or actually previous in his previous jobs, he would get hired by investment companies that own manufacturing companies where this type of thing is going on and he would start off at the ground floor mm-hmm. and he acts kind of like a private investigator for about a year moving up in the ranks seeing what's going on studying the people getting to know their processes and eventually roots out the rats you, yeah you have to so it's a lot more common he did all this in california it's a lot more common um than what you would imagine but he kept on getting hired by these private equity companies that own manufacturers and and it happens a lot it's yeah. it's I, I can't understand why people can't just make an honest dollar you know it doesn't because it's, it's too to hard right everyone wants to take the easy way out and exactly they, to Every, me, that was everyone wants cowardice. to get rich quick Yep. You yeah. know, everybody what? wants everybody yeah. wants to get rich quick. Yeah. They don't want to put the time in. You're absolutely in. right. I'm a, I know it is. I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it for decades. And um, you know, it makes me think about one thing. You know, we used to. You know how the our prints in the shop used to have our customer's name cut out because that's what my dad used to do, and we just went away from that. And I yeah. thought we're going to leave the customer's name now. And now that you say that, I don't know. I'm, I'm going I back. Yeah, I'm going. Ba- I'm going back to that guarded uh, feeling again because you never know who's going to come in my shop, see my customer's name, and going to be dishonest. Correct. Yeah. And and go to that customer and say, "Hey, I can do you. I can do your job for you better. I can, cheaper. You know, they wouldn't have the the cost unless my customer shared that with them. Right. And you but, never know because they could because everyone wants. Everyone always know, shares the numbers. Exactly. I know. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I mean, but at the same time, it I'm sounds happy. like you've you've learned such a valuable. Oh my God. Lesson, I had to you know? grow at such a rapid rate, and I really had to pull it together and face adversity head on. I mean, there's nothing like facing something like that where you're about to go out of business and, and push through. Yeah, you. I mean, you earned your stripes. I mean, you know, yeah. you really, really did. <laughs> we will have the exciting conclusion to this interview next week on Making Chips. Don't forget to subscribe on our website so you can hear part two of this episode right when it's released. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? 
We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. We'll be right back. 